0: Well, happy Easter, everyone. He is risen. risen. (laughs) One of these years we're going to get it. You know what? So, last year, I gave you guys some wrong information. I said when you say he is risen, you say indeed he's truly risen. That's not right. I messed that up. And you know why? I went back and I checked the Greek and then the Latin and the Aramaic, and I realized that I had translated it wrong. That's not true. I don't speak any of those. Right? But it's the, the ancient green is, I say, he is risen. You say, he is risen indeed. Right? That's what went on for thousands of years. right? So we're going to try that again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. Praise God. A while back, I was talking with some, we'll just, we'll just call them unbelievers. Okay, Atheists. And they were ragging on me because they said Christianity is just another religion of myths. It's made up, like every other one in the history of the world, right? And believing myths is superstitious and unscientific. Now, first of all, that's not true about our faith. But for the record, this is what drives me nuts. The Catholic Church came up with the scientific method. How can Catholicism be unscientific If we came up with the method, use that argument. We're the ones that came up with this stuff. And now it's being ripped out of our hands. So that's the first thing I got upset about. The second thing is, since then, I've been paying attention to what humans believe. And they believe a lot of stupid things. They believe a lot of myths. I'm going to give you a couple examples. One is, we only use 10% of our brain. That's not true. We actually use quite a bit of our brain. Except men. (laughs) Except men, ladies stop laughing. Except men, when they're doing nothing. They they did an actual neurological study on this and they told men to think about nothing and they had just enough brain energy to keep their heart beating and they were breathing. That's real, that was a real study. So men, we can get down to 10% when we really want to shut her down, okay? Two, here's another one. If you go swimming after you eat, you'll get cramps, muscle cramps, not true. That's not true. My mom lied to me. I could have been swimming for hours that she took away from me. A penny dropped from the Sears Tower would kill a person if it hit him in the head. Not true. Physicists say it would feel like getting flicked on the forehead. If you touch a baby chick, the mother hen will abandon it. Not true. In fact, scientists are debating if chickens can even smell. It's not true. Here's one I believe for sure because of my father. Twinkies never expire. (laughs) I, I believe that Twinkies could be eaten 50 million years after they were made. Actually, the FDA has a shelf life of them for 25 days. Which my dad would never let a Twinkie go that long. (laughs) These are just a few, right? But our faith is one that is not based on myths. And I can prove that to you. Outside the Gospels, there is documented evidence that Jesus not only was a real person, but rose from the dead. Did you know that? Outside of the Gospels. St. Peter says in the Acts of the Apostles... We did not devise clever myths for you to believe. We actually saw this. We saw the empty tomb. We saw the resurrected Jesus. He was dead. We all saw that. And then we saw him alive. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie Risen. It's a good movie to watch during the Easter season. But in there, there's this Roman soldier who was at the crucifixion, right? And then he sees the resurrected Jesus, and he has this line that I just love. He says this, and I think a lot of people would have said this during the time of the Easter events. He says, I have seen two things which I cannot reconcile. A man dead without question, and that same man alive again. First, I want to establish a fact tonight. Before we talk about the resurrection, Jesus was a real person. If anybody tells you anything different, they're lying to you. He was not made up. He was not a myth. He is documented in Christian sources, pagan sources, and Jewish sources. Okay, He was not a myth. He was, we have the Roman politician Tacitus who held one of the highest positions in the Roman government, in the Roman Empire, in 110 A.D. From Tacitus we learn, he writes this, Jesus of Nazareth was executed under Pontius Pilate while he was prefect of Rome, in charge of Judea, and Tiberius was emperor. That fits exactly in the time frame that we hold that Jesus was alive. The Jewish historian Josephus, who wrote around 60 A.D., that's only 30 years after Jesus lived, he writes in reference to James, who he calls the brother of Jesus, the so-called Messiah. Just remember, he's Jewish. He doesn't like him. In the earliest liturgy of the literature of the Jewish rabbis, Jesus was denounced as an illegitimate child of Mary and a sorcerer or a magician. So he must have done some other things if he was called a sorcerer and a magician. Among pagans, the satirist Lucian, And the philosopher Celsus dismissed Jesus as a scoundrel. Jesus of Nazareth. Real. Documented. And we know of no one in the ancient world who questioned whether he lived or not. This is a modern, stupid philosophy. Just trying to get Jesus out of the picture by saying he was made up. But second, we must acknowledge something else, and that is this, and this is very important. Almost every source that we have documented says the tomb was empty. Pagan, Jewish, and Christian. The Gospels obviously say it, right? In the Gospel, they say that the Jews said that the Christians stole the body. Okay, The Toledeth Yezu, which is a compilation of Jewish writings from around 900 A.D., acknowledges that the tomb was empty and attempts to explain it away further we have a record from a second century debate between a christian and a jew in references made to the fact that the jews claimed the body was stolen so it is pretty well established that the early jews admitted the empty tomb why is this important because who were the greatest enemies of christianity in the beginning the jews why on earth would they admit a fact that is going to ruin what they say? There's a great historian, his name is Dr. Paul Mayer. He calls it positive evidence from a hostile source. In essence, if a source admits a fact that is decidedly not in its favor, the fact is genuine. And the Jews admit the tomb was empty. And finally, the resurrection As an actual historical fact, I preached on this evidence last year at Easter. And the most striking fact of the resurrection being real is that every single one who witnessed the resurrection, eyewitness, died. A brutal death. A brutal, brutal death. I mean, they all went to their death. And here's the thing. Nobody broke. None None of them said, "Oh wait, we were kidding. We did steal the body." Somebody sent me this little video a couple days ago, and it's about Peter, right? And he gets around, and he's it says how most of the world think Christianity started, and Peter's like, "All right, guys, Jesus is dead. We all know that, but bear with me. I got a plan. All right, here's the deal. We're gonna steal the body." And tell everybody that he he rose from the dead. And the apostle's like, good idea, Peter, right on. We're with you. I'm picking up what you're laying down. And he's like, and then what's going to happen? And Peter's like, oh, it's going to be great. We're all going to be brutally murdered. And all the apostles are like, what? Like, do do we get any money or power? And he's like, no, 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 that's the best. We don't get anything. They're just going to kill us all. It's the dumbest thing unless they really believed it. And they really believed it, because it really happened. Jesus Christ is alive today, as he was 2,000 years ago. The resurrection is a fact, but more than just being true, it means that life has meaning, and that this isn't the end. The resurrection means there's a destination. An answer to life's problems. But you, you, all of you here have to appropriate the resurrection in your life. You have to receive it. God is giving. He's pouring it out. You have to receive it. I guarantee that every person in this church has experienced obstacles. I guarantee that every person in this church has experienced suffering. Every person in this church has experienced loss, heartbreak, and betrayal. Every person in this church has experienced suffering after suffering, obstacle after obstacle, loss after loss. And if the resurrection isn't real, the whole world is nothing more than that. Suffering, pain, loss. One rejection after another. Until the ultimate end, the greatest enemy, robs us of everything we love. We can pretend that this life is great, fun, exciting, vacation after vacation. Ultimately, it's not. It's hard. And it gets harder and harder and harder. And most people cover it up. Most people show a good face. Almost everybody is suffering terribly. At least with something. Some have a few things. Some have a lot. Suffering's real, but the resurrection's real. And because of that, everything means something. Every joy, every love, every promise that you've ever made means nothing if the resurrection isn't real. But if it is, everything changes. Imagine what it would be like to live without this truth of the resurrected Jesus. This is why the world is so lost, anxious. Depressed because they have no faith they have no hope and with no hope there is no meaning which is absolutely debilitating to the human person we need to believe in something we want to believe in something greater than ourselves what we celebrate tonight in this church changes everything now I know that there are some people in this church there's going to be a lot more probably tomorrow because usually the hardcores come tonight because we're only halfway done, folks. I hate to, hate to break it to you. But some people who have been baptized never really made the choice to really live their baptismal promises, have never claimed Jesus and his resurrected life. Some of you here today are here just because maybe your parents asked you to go. But tonight could change everything if you let it. There are some of you here who have already made the choice. In our front rows. They're going to be baptized. Others will be received into the church. They made the choice to try to live their life to the full. Their faith to the full. Jesus wants you to experience that too. So I'm going to do something a little weird tonight. A little weird. But that, it shouldn't be weird. But it is, I guarantee you're going to think it's weird. If you're struggling and you want help. Or if you really want to experience the resurrected Jesus. His love, His mercy. Then I'm going to invite you to invite him in. I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it in your heart. Close your eyes. Repeat it in your heart. I'll give you time. To say the words that I say. Say them with faith. Say them with hope. Say them with love. And experience what this whole thing is about. When I'm done, I will sit down quietly and we will let those words sink into your hearts for just a little bit in silence. So I invite you, if you want, to close your eyes and repeat silently in your heart the words that I say. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross. To rescue me from sin and death. And to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sin. My self-centeredness. And every part of my life. That does not please you. I choose you tonight. I give myself fully to you. I receive your forgiveness and mercy, and I ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior, my Lord, and my King. Come, reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your resurrected life. And help me to become a person who truly loves and forgives and surrenders to your will. I have not lived my baptismal promises as well as I should. But I ask you now to restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Forgive through me. Love through me. Thank you for all you've done. I give you my life. All this I pray In Jesus' most holy name, amen.